following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is Minute 67 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how are you this fine evening? Well, I'm playing Russian Roulette with the Plant Man, and he's rewriting the bylaws as we go, so something ain't fair. Eric, we still have a fantastic guest with us. Please reintroduce the uh, Mr. Chuck to the world again. Yes, from Stuff You Should Know and Movie Crush, Charles W. Chuck Bryant returns today to Flesh Gordon Minute Studios. Hey guys, I'm just I'm just a man with a man's courage. <laughs> <laughs> so cool having you with us, Chuck, and just love just the concept behind Stuff You Should Know. And I'm a big um, I'm a sucker for that style of uh, sort of talking about the average everyday stuff that. People should know when they don't, and uh, you know we're in a world where I think people can find that information. But you know, presenting to everyone in an interesting and entertaining way, which you do, um, so damn cool and such a great idea. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm a sucker for it. And uh, as said yesterday, Eric is a huge fan, so uh, we're we're just so thrilled to have you with us. Oh yeah, thanks guys. I really appreciate that. We count on that kind of support. Uh, we say it a lot, but if people never listen to begin with, then we would not be around 10 years later. So it's all, it's all due to the listeners. Yeah. I, um, to, to, to our, to our listeners, if, if you, if you're not familiar with stuff, you should know, if you're one of the people who had not part of those half a billion downloads, which I it's just blowing my mind, uh, it's, it's, they, they run the gamut. Um, if you're looking for genre stuff, like us geeks like to talk about, they've, they've had topics, they've covered the star Wars holiday special, Action figures, James Bond, wacky fan theories, the MPAA, and then diverse topics all over the place. Addiction, socialism, sushi, cremation, and my personal favorite, the uh, male puberty episode. Oh, <laughs> you like that one, huh? Uh, I, I, I was such a – I learned new things even being like a, you know, a 40-year-old man and laughed at the same time. Great episode. Great. Thanks, man. That was uh... – we did one on male puberty and female puberty. Yes, Those were yes. a little nerve-wracking, but uh, we got through it all right. Yeah, it showed through, and that was part of why it was so entertaining. <laughs> Thanks, man. Very cool. Well, you know, it's, again, so exciting. Uh, we're at minute 67. So, so, Eric, what happens in minute 67? Well, we ended last minute. Baron's angry. Uh, Flesh says it's your move, and Baron says no, yours. And then he's, he's, he's changing the rules on Flesh here, making him go two times in a row. And, you know, I said it last week, and... Now it's it's coming to the fruition here. Did Flash really think Baron was going to play this game fairly? Because as we can clearly see, he is not. Probably, probably not. That's my guess. Well, it's just so funny because Baron, I think, really wants to play fair, but he also really doesn't want to lose. And if he would have thought this out, he could have just started as like, yeah, just keep sticking your hand in. Leave it there, and we're going to go out and get uh, a Frappuccino. And we'll be back after you've been stabbed. It's obvious that Baron wants to be on the up and up, and he wants, and he's just trying to walk this line of 
keeping his word to aura and his word of honor and but he really has a lot to live for so he, he, was he hoping that flash would chicken out and then they could just stab him then because when flash first walked in he said well but basically the gist of it is uh, well yeah they have to go through this test of honor this test of courage or you know or or else and I, 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 I'm just trying to figure out where Baron's going with all this because, yeah, he he's changing the rules halfway through the game, but he could have been uh, he, he could have been bitten already or stung already. So it, it's again, and I keep saying this terrible plan. Baron is not a good e- evil planner and stuff like this. Yeah, like, do you guys have the sense that this is something that something they do a lot or? like grew up on this in the swamp doing as a challenge and a dare to one another or something they just do with with people they uh want dead like what do you think the history of this odd game is yeah in the in the earlier scene uh when the tree stump thingy shows up um the young guy that comes in says to the old priest, "I am of I am of age now, tree father. You know, and, you know. I want to. I'm ready for the test. Oh, whatever they call it. So okay. It's meant yeah, to I be forgot like about a, that. Yeah, like like a you know a, a trial of manhood or something. But then, right. when they get flash in, they say, "Oh well, anyone who comes in here, you're not a tree man. You're not an arborian. So if you come in here, you have to now take the test." Gotcha. But the test could have been like like you were saying, like we stand here and watch you reach into all of these holes. Yeah, sure. Like, Baron so doesn't have to do it with him. <laughs> yeah, there is a bit of a sporting uh, element to it, and I don't know if that's how it usually goes, or maybe it goes that way because they know Flash is a sportsman himself, or am I reaching? <laughs> well, they certainly, I mean, they saw him, you know, fighting, they might not know what football is, but if they certainly saw him beating up all those guards uh, earlier in the movie when he first shows up. So mm-hmm. Baron certainly would know that he's a strong, athletic person. Right. Yeah, I uh, think it's safe to say they don't really familiar with football. I think uh, the, the only football they may have gotten is that one season of the XFL. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always up for some XFL humor. <laughs> it's classic. So, but no, yeah, they can they can tell he's competitive, and he obviously has a lot of pride because you know they're able to goad him into this really quick you know but it I just it's funny that baron just changes the rules so quick he's obviously getting frustrated he was hoping this would be over already he really doesn't want to die well also you know baron he accuses he accused flash in the last minute of being scared but baron is actually playing scared by making oh, yeah. flash go again and i, I kind of feel like would not doing that, would that not lessen him in the eyes of his followers? I mean, are the other tree men standing around saying, hey, this guy's our leader, and he, he's kind of, you know, he's making Flash go again. He's kind of cheating here, you know. He, you know Is anyone else there? It uh, seemed like yeah. they were by themselves. Yeah, were, no, were no, there? yeah, yeah there's, there's a whole bunch of other tree men standing around watching this. Oh, I, I don't think I even saw those guys. Yeah. All right, that makes a little more sense. Yeah, I think there's a thing where, you know what, these minutes, they might have actually sort of pulled everyone else out of the scene just to, uh, because it's a pretty tight set. So in the previous minute, I think they had like six or seven Aborians with Baron, but because it's a tight set, they might have just, and also because this is so focused on 
Baron Flash and the Tree Stomp, they might have just said everyone else, you know, sent everyone to hit hit the cap, the buffet table while they filmed this because. So I'm looking at it right now, and yeah, there is a ring of tree men surrounding oh, okay. the whole set. Well, uh, with uh, even with, uh, and they all got guns even. Oh, I don't think I even noticed that. Yeah, well, and, and, that, that and, plays a lot better then. Yeah, and Fico's there. Uh, Fico's standing there too. Riff Raff from Rocky Horror is standing there too. Also, by the way, we keep talking about how uh, Fico is, uh, who's the, the the loot player or whatever it is, and confidant of Baron. Uh, how he was also Riff Raff from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Also, and I got to call this out because my kids want me to call this out. Also, plays the dad on Phineas and Ferb. So the guy who was playing the snake recorder, that was the guy from Rocky Horror? Yeah, that's Riff Raff. Yeah, Richard O'Brien. Oh, and, and uh, James Bond is such a jerk to him at the beginning. Like, in, I guess it's probably minute 65. Yeah. He calls him a fool. And he's, do you guys, like, what kind of language do you use on the show? Uh, PG-13 and uh, we keep it at. <laughs> and also, I, I also have a bleeper, so don't worry. Oh, yeah, we can bleep you out, too. So say whatever okay. you want. Well, he's a huge. Oh yeah. <laughs> through through actually all of these minutes and most of the movie, James Bond is just an enormous. <laughs> he, he is. He is. And even when he he sort of turns to a good guy, still a little bit of a. Well, that's that is true. I forgot he turns it toward the end. But even good guy Baron, yeah, he's not really that good a guy. No, he's not. But yeah, that's okay. Really. I guess he has to be, because there can only be one really good guy. Flash has to be the only good guy. Yeah, he's got to be the pure red heart guy, like the lyrics and say in the song. Yeah. Yeah. Volton's a... Yeah, he's an okay guy. He, he's a Yeah, fu- but he's a hedonist. Yeah, he's a fun guy, but you don't want him to hang out <laughs> with him. Oh, he's sister. so great. Yeah, one of the... Yeah, that's a, a very good point, but one of the great characters, for sure. All this leads up to Flash puts his arm back in, then he sort of screams out. Yeah. Very dramatically. I think Baron might have been a little bit too quick to be uh, convinced because this was not the most convincing performance from Sam Jones. <laughs> and I don't know if that's on per- a decision, a choice of the director, the actor, or just where Sam Jones' performances go with something like this. But, uh, it, yeah, I, I think uh, Baron really should have been able to pick up that this was a uh, playing possum. This, kind of, this fits in, I think, very well with the Flash character being a quarterback because this is basically a quarterback who's scrambling in the middle of a play. And having to make a fast decision, he, he sees Baron, he's just not going to let him win. Baron is making him go again. Baron will never let him win. And he so, calls an audible. Yeah, he calls an audible and fakes him out. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, one of the great lines of the movie, and there's so many great lines, though, is right there. He falls on the ground, and, uh, and Baron says, death is certain. And he says, only after tortured madness. <laughs> Such a great line. It's like, you're going to want death, basically, after the tortured madness. Which might last days. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a long time since you saw this movie the first time, Chuck. Can you remember the first time you saw that? Was there any doubt in your mind that he was faking? Or, you know, we talked a little bit about it yesterday where they could have, there could be a copy of the script somewhere where Flash did get stung, but it was able to sort of tough out the, those couple days, you know, that day fighting sure. off the tortured madness before, you know, some sort of last-minute BS cure was provided. Do you, do you remember if you were fooled the first time? 
Oh, I was totally fooled. I, I thought he had been tagged for sure, especially after seeing earlier in the movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was totally fooled. I thought I thought Flash was in big trouble and that he would probably get his, you know, get out of there. But I definitely did not see the switcheroo coming. So so you and Baron were the two guys uh, fooled by this. So. <laughs> the only two, I guess. You know what? I might be giving uh, poor Sam Jones too hard a time. Uh, he, he, he obviously is uh, has the chops to pull this off. He fooled a nine-year-old Chuck. Let's say that. <laughs> in 1980. <laughs> it's a simpler time. <laughs> well, it was very much a simpler time. I think Carter might have still been president then. He might have been a lame duck. You know, we were we, we were able to be fooled by things like that. Flash says, you know, tricked you, Baron, when he does it. And, oh, that's, you know, a, that's I, so I, great. I, know, <laughs> I love I that mean, part. I know, again, like movie reasons, but, you know, in reality... Do you really need to say tricked you, Baron? I mean, he's got the sword at his throat. I think he knows he's been tricked. Yeah. I, and I sort of wonder that... Well, and everything is ADR'd in this movie. We, we do not hear Sam Jones' actual voice right. in this film. But uh, I wonder if that was done... Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. He, he They ADR'd, like, the entire thing? Yeah, he, um, he got after... When they were just about done with principal photography, he got into a big dispute with Dino De Laurentiis. And he essentially said, you know, I'm walking. And so they had to bring a stuntman in to film a couple of pickup scenes that they had him in. Uh-huh. And then, then when they had to then overdub the movie, he had he had left. And so they hired another actor. And it's, it is not Sam Jones' voice at any point. In the movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> For pickups or the entire movie? The audio is, is no Sam Jones' voice at any point. The entire audio is, is a different actor. Are you serious? Yeah. How did I not know this factoid? <laughs> That's been, is that like well known? Is that you um, know? I, I mean, you know, the problem is you're asking two geeks who are hosting a Flash Gordon podcast, so <laughs> it's well known to the two of us. Yeah, everybody knows that. If you have, you guys have lost all concept of reality. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm asking the wrong dudes. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I mean, it, it's I, I buy it. Like they did a good job of, of matching at least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I did not know this until I was in my 20s. So I mean, my mind was blown also when I. I think a good rule of thumb here is yeah. If you ask us, we we think it's common knowledge. If you ask somebody who's next to you on the subway, you're just going to get maced. Right. <laughs> As you should. It's like, hey, did you know that wasn't Sam Jones doing his own voice? It's like, well, time to get the rape whistle out. Yeah, we're just uh, we're just blowing people's minds left and right with this show, Eric. I would have literally probably never known that if I hadn't done this. So thanks, guys. You know, going back to we were talking about the tension of uh, the last minute, and, and it continues into this minute uh, before, uh, you know, with the scorpion. They showed the scorpion in the first scene 10, 15 minutes ago, movie-wise. We don't actually see the scorpion in this scene. You just see the leaves kind oh, of yeah. heaving up and down. And so that's really, you know, it, really good direction and acting here that they got the tension we have in these two minutes where you out actually seeing the creature. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, and just being a, as a nine-year-old, I mean, those... Those leaves were scary enough. There's something right. about the unseen that, uh, and you, and at this point in the movie, you had already seen what happens. And if I remember, uh, I didn't go back and watch that part before, but it's some sort of green, isn't it like a green goop or something? Yeah, we were theorizing that the tree men, because they're tree men, have green blood, and that that was the dude's blood since uh, uh, since they're trees. So of course, their blood must be green. Oh, sure, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I, I buy it. <laughs> That was sort of a thing where movies of this era did so well. And, and I bet, I want to say I remember some discussion or reading some article where the, the, the scorpion creature was just, well, I, it, actually you mentioned previous minutes where they went through, they had a couple different scorpion creatures and this was sort of the, the smaller model. I, I have a feeling this thing just didn't work well. 
And the mm. more you show it, the less it would work. Sort of like mm-hmm. uh, the thing with the shark in Jaws. Uh, and this is pretty well known, uh, I, I believe, where the mechanical sharks that they had for the first Jaws film worked terrible. Yeah. And because it worked so poorly, Steven Spielberg just realized, okay, we're just going to have to do as much as we can using the fin sticking out of the water and the music and the tension without actually sh- showing the shark as little as possible. I bet it's sort of the same thing here where if you actually, you know, were to plop the the tree creature on a table, everyone would just have a good laugh about it. But if you just show it a little bit, use the excellent sound effects and just a couple of images so you know what it is. And again, I think something that, that shows the problems with or the differences between movies in and out now now they would have a 10-minute sequence where it pops, jumps out of the tree and flashes, you know, figuring out a way to kill this CGI'd creation. And, right. And, uh, you know, that's fine, and I'm certainly not opposed to a good dose of CGI, but when it comes to the tension and just the visceral feel of it, I think this might work a bit better. Yeah, I agree. And that's a totally great point about Jaws. Very, very honestly, they uh, ended up being a better film because they couldn't use Bruce the Shark as much as they wanted to. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly been plenty of shark movies where they had uh, much more shark in it. And uh, it, ter- it turns out, I think, Sharknado movies have proved uh, <laughs> more sharks do not uh, do not a better movie make. Agreed. I don't know. You call those movies. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, this minute sort of ends with Flash on the Run and Baron yelling out, leave him. And this will sort of go into the next minute, but it seems like another... Baron still not figuring out if he's a man of honor or not, but it seems like he sort of wants this to be between him and Flash, which again, eh, you know, how come? You, you, you were already sort of chickening out, and now it's, you know, become a matter of pride, and uh, it feels like we still don't know which Baron we're getting. Yeah, I mean, we've talked before about, you know, how Baron obviously must know that he is not the only man in Aura's life, so why why does this particular one have him so because he's a blonde, yeah. handsome <laughs> athlete from planet Earth. I guess if your competition is, uh, you know, that sort of dweeby doctor guy who, uh, yeah. from earlier, you're not worried about that. It's, uh, or possibly he's a Steelers fan. Uh, <laughs> would be great if we like later go to uh, Baron's throne room and there's some gold and black, and the background is like, you know, how many championships we've won? Shouldn't he just pity Flash then? Like like the rest of us pity the Jets, no? <laughs> you know, talking about the great music cues, there's a fantastic sort of bouncy music cue at the end of minute 67. Yes, yes, Howard Blake number 29. It, it's mostly in the next minute, but it does start in this minute. Real synth-heavy tune, really good really good song. Perfect, as is always the case. Uh, Howard Blake just uh, has such a great understanding of this movie and what needed to be done. We don't always feel that he's gotten the credit he deserves because everyone has so much love for rightfully for queen but uh howard blake knocking out of the park again so uh, yeah I, I just had to be sure to call that out i know eric you have been as, as you've been numbering the cues <laughs> but but i had to make sure that that was called out which i'm sure some music nerd out there it, it was uh, you know I'm, I'm not since i'm not a music official you know i'm an expert it's just uh a fan here watching the movie. I'm sure some music nerd out there is like, that's not the 29th cue, that's actually the 37th cue. So I, I apologize, I apologize. Yeah, I'm sure you're already off base there, but that's that's the beauty of uh, doing a podcast like this. All the nerds will come out and, and correct you. 
And Chuck, anything else that you uh, you saw him from this that we've neglected to call out? Nope, just that Baron is still a. <laughs> he really <laughs> is. Yeah, well, this has been uh, another great minute, and uh, it's just so exciting to have uh, Chuck with us. Uh, Eric, I'm feeling so good. Just just thrilled to have uh, some, you know such such fun minutes, and I really enjoy myself. But uh, but I, I got a I got some concerns on the on the home front. Oh, a home concern. Okay. As has been discussed on this show, we have uh, recently uh, relocated our uh, studio here. We have a new house. We're sort of dreading that uh, the new house has a, like a little dinky above ground pool, and I finally pulled the cover off of it. And I open up the cover. Apparently, the previous owners hadn't used this pool for two years. So I looked down, and there were probably one to two hundred tadpoles in that pool just swimming around. To the people who may not be aware of basic biology... This, you might consider this stuff you should know. Tadpoles become frogs. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think it's going to be like a Hell Comes to Frogtown scenario pretty soon. Well, if, you, if you're looking at your new pool and it's reminding you of the Arborean Swamp and, and you're concerned that a biblical plague of frogs will become raining down upon you like in that Stephen King short story, don't worry. Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. It's not easy being green. Having to spend each day the color of the leaves When I think it might be nicer Being red or yellow or gold or Something much more colorful like that It's not easy being green Seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things and people tend to pass you over because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles in the water or stars in the sky but green's the color of spring and green can be cool and friendly like Green can be big, like a mountain, or important, like a river, or tall, like a tree. When green is all there is to be, it could make you wonder why. Why wonder, why wonder, I'm green, and it'll do fine, it's beautiful, and I think it's what I want to be.